Christian of Pharmacists, and welcome to another episode of Off Script by the APHA ASP Policy Standing Committee. My name is Alvin Leung, and I am a member of your Policy Standing Committee. This podcast is intended to be an informative, interview-based podcast series that encourages our listeners to think outside the prescription pad. Off Script focuses on issues that our APHA ASP members determined were important to them based on the 2018-2019 APHA ASP House of Delegates. And while, in that regard, you hear directly from experts to learn what we can do so that we can envision and advance the future of pharmacy. Today, we will learn about the role of pharmacists and pharmacy education in patient care involving cannabis, a resolution passed during the APHA ASP's House of Delegates in March 2019. Cannabis is a hot topic for our profession and our healthcare system. As we all know, the DA considers cannabis a class 1 controlled substance, which means there is no accepted medical use in the United States, a lack of accepted safety for use under medical supervision, and a high potential for abuse. The US Surgeon General recently stated that the cannabis today is significantly more potent and can be concentrated. It affects brain chemistry that is important in decision making, mood, and stress. Yet, 33 states and U.S. territories have passed laws to legalize cannabis for medical use. And as pharmacists, what do we tell our patients when patients ask about cannabis? With so many different cannabis-derived products that are out there, how can we, as pharmacists, better serve our patients with the correct information? Today, I'm joined by Dr. Leah Serra, who is the Program Director for the Masters of Sciences in Medical Cannabis Science and Therapeutics at the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy in Baltimore. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Serra. I'm very glad to be here. We appreciate your time for speaking with us today. So tell us a little bit about the MS program. The um, Master of Science in Medical Cannabis Science and Therapeutics is a two-year, 30-credit program that teaches students about the, the science, so pharmacology, pharmaceutics, chemistry, uh, clinical uses, and policies that are related to medical cannabis. Um, we developed a program to respond to what is a rapidly expanding medical cannabis industry and also to address the knowledge gaps that, with, that exist within this industry, particularly among health professionals. We, uh, we designed the program to provide education on a really broad range of topics related to medical cannabis so that we could produce graduates who would then go back out into the workforce and improve patient care, whether they're doing that as scientists, as clinicians, or as policymakers. Yeah, uh, the program really highlights various facets of a resolution, and we are glad that UMB is a trailblazer in this area. Little is known about cannabis. Uh, we just know it's a drug you can get high off of. Um, could you differentiate for us the active ingredients? What are the medical uh, eff efficacies of those ingredients? Sure. The, the cannabis plant actually contains hundreds of active chemicals, including over 100 cannabinoids, um, these are the chemicals that act on cannabinoid receptors. Uh, 
the two most abundant of these cannabinoids are THC, which is delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, and CBD, or cannabidiol. And they appear to have different, uh, different effects. So THC is psychoactive, but also appears to have analgesic, anti-emetic, and anti-inflammatory properties. Uh, whereas CBD isn't psychoactive, and actually it might mitigate some of the effects of THC, but it hasn't been studied as extensively as THC. In addition to the cannabinoids, other phytochemicals such as the terpenes um, may contribute synergistically to some of the clinical effects of cannabis, which is a phenomenon known as the entourage effect. Wow. Okay. Uh, with the opioid epidemic going on, there has been talk that CBD can be used for pain, and currently we are deviating from opioids. What's your take on that? Well, that's a, it's a very important and complex question, and obviously there's a lot of interest in this issue. There was a report published in 2017 by the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine, and that report found substantial evidence supporting the use of cannabinoids to treat chronic pain. And a lot of this evidence comes from studies that evaluated a drug called nabiximols, which is an oral mucosal spray that has a one-to-one -one concentration of THC and CBD. And it's not available in the US. Um, and some of these studies also looked at THC preparations or smoked or vaporized cannabis flour. CBD appears to have an anti-inflammatory effects in animal models, but we don't yet know how this data is going to translate to clinical benefit for humans. And with regards to whether or not cannabis can reduce opioid use and overdose, we just really don't know. Um, as with all aspects of medical cannabis, we need a lot more research in that, in that area. Wow. Okay. Uh, so we currently know that special populations of patients use medical cannabis for palliative purposes, such as hospice and cancer patients. What is your take on the drug interactions between immunosuppressants slash like cancer drugs that cannabis can play a role in? Well, you're right. The, the majority of evidence that supports the use of cannabinoids is for the palliation of symptoms that we often see in patients who have advanced illness, symptoms like pain, nausea, vomiting, muscle spasms. Uh, in terms of uh, how uh, cannabinoids can interact with other drugs, we do know um, that they are metabolized by the P450 system in the liver, and that certain cannabinoids um, can induce or inhibit the activity of some of these P450 enzymes, including 1A2, 3A4, and 2D6, which of course are all involved in the metabolism of other drugs. So there is definitely a potential for drug interactions. Um, and cannabis may uh, have additive effects also with other CNS depressants, so that's something to consider as well. Um, the effects of cannabinoids on cancer uh, has actually been identified by the National Academy of Sciences as an important question for future research, and this is a very hot topic um, right now in uh, cannabis research. Hmm. Wow. Uh, most of what we see uh, as a society um, about cannabis is shaped by pop culture and social media. Besides recreational uses of cannabis, we know little about the substance. Um, as you can see, uh, APHA's resolution advocates the standardization of cannabis-derived products in order to optimize patient safety and to ensure clinical efficacy. 
how do we change the social undertones so that pharmacist advice is useful rather than use prohibitive? Right now, I think that advice from pharmacists should focus on the evidence that we have related to medical cannabis. Pharmacists can be helpful in sharing information with patients and with other healthcare professionals about conditions that do have evidence supporting the use of cannabinoids and which ones do not. Some states actually require pharmacists to be a part of the process of providing medical cannabis to patients, but pharmacists anywhere can provide information on contraindications, precautions, adverse effects, drug interactions, just like we would for other therapeutic agents. Mm -hmm. So as I stated earlier, the Surgeon General noted that the cannabis plant is a whole lot more ad addictive due to its increased concentration leading to higher potency. How can pharmacists best promote public health other than noting cannabis user on the particular patient's profile? First and foremost, I think it's important for pharmacists to educate themselves on the data that does exist. Pharmacists should feel comfortable performing a DUR for medical cannabis, just like they would for any medication. That includes whether or not medical cannabis therapy is appropriate, any contraindications to therapy, and the potential for abuse. And pharmacists should also become familiar with the medical cannabis program in their own state if one exists, because states differ you know, very widely on all regulations related to medical cannabis processing, dispensing, and use by patients. Okay, wow. Uh, the future of cannabis seems to be intertwined with healthcare. Where do you see this going? Well, as I said before, the medical cannabis field is rapidly evolving and expanding. States are continuing to implement comprehensive medical cannabis programs, and clinical research continues even with the challenges that are inherent in this research given the Schedule One status of cannabis. I really think that the landscape of medical cannabis will look uh, possibly very different in two years when our first class graduates from our Master of Science program. Hmm. Wow, uh, the information that you provided was really, really helpful. Um, here's a funny question. Uh, our theme this year is Fearlessly Authentic. As a representative of the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy, how has this program been fearlessly authentic in your opinion? Well, having launched the first medical cannabis master's program in the country, the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy is dedicated to improving the lives and the care of patients who use medical cannabis. Our program is grounded in science, and it's gonna give our students the tools they need to play an important role moving forward in research, direct patient care, and health policy development. Wow, well, thanks again for speaking with us today. Uh, your knowledge on this subject is really vast. I'm sure that the student pharmacists from all over the country greatly appreciate the information we covered today. Well, thanks very much for having me on. There has been a significant public interest in cannabis or cannabis-derived products for therapeutic purposes and otherwise. Yet at the same time, there are many unanswered questions about the science, safety, and quality of the products. As you heard from Dr. Leah Serra, the study of cannabis and cannabis-derived compounds in clinical trial settings is needed to assess the safety and effectiveness for treatment. As pharmacists, we owe it to our profession 
to protect and promote public health. From a regulatory standpoint, the FDA approach to these products containing cannabis or cannabis-derived compounds has been consistent. Basically, they treat them as they do with any other FDA-regulated product. Anything that is marketed with a claim of therapeutic benefit must be approved by the FDA for its intended use before it may be introduced to the market. It is against the law to introduce food containing added CBD or THC into interstate commerce or to market them as dietary supplements without the FDA's approval. Even though so many unapproved cannabis or cannabis-derived products are being used for treatment of medical conditions, there have only been four FDA-approved prescription drugs as of 11-9-2019. The rapid normalization of marijuana use and a misperception of its safety can have a profound influence on young people and pregnant women. The Surgeon General recently stated in August 2019 that no amount of marijuana during adolescence or pregnancy is safe. His concern is shared among states that have passed cannabis laws. American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists also state that marijuana use during pregnancy affects the baby's brain, resulting in lower birth weight. Areas in research, policy, and guidance is still needed before we can make a recommendation for our patient. As medical professionals, we are committed to providing recommendations based from sound, science-based policy. Educational programs such as the Masters at the University of Maryland will help pave a path in this area. Increasing transparency of safety, marketing, and product labeling serves the interests of American consumers. As pharmacists, we should want patients to know what we know. Well, that's all I got for now. Thanks again for tuning into Offscript. I'll be now.